Dear Romance Besties, this season we will be exploring dark romance. That means I need to give y'all a little trigger warning. We are going to be reading books where consent is murky at best. There will be triggering topics of psychological and physical abuse, manipulation, kidnapping, slavery, rape, bullying, bodice ripping, and sexual assault on the page. If this is not your cup of tea, we get it. We have lots of great books for you in our previous seasons and more coming up next season. Without further ado, Shani, welcome to the dark side. Ooh, thank you, Bridget. I'm ready. Hope to see you out there. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. With me, as always, is my co-host, Shani. What up, Shani? What up, Bridget? I am so excited because today we have a new patron, Callan B. Hey, Callan. How you doing? What up? How you doing? Thank you for joining the Patreon family. Guys, if you want to join us on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance. You get all kinds of extra goodies, more clips from our interviews that we do, extra reviews, extra just behind the scenes of me and Shawnee talking fun, fun, fun nonsense. And it is a good time to be a patron. Also, lots of other perks, stickers. Shawnee just designed a whole slew of new stickers, and they are super cute. So excited. So come on where the water's warm. Patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance. Yes. I'm so excited. Are you excited about today's episode? I'm excited to talk to you because we were going to record yesterday. And then a series of events occurred, as always, and we did not record yesterday. And I'm excited to hear your take on Pestilence. So we're reading Pestilence today by Laura Thalassin. Is that how you think that author? Thalassa. <laughs> There's no N. I'm sorry. I apologize, Laura. Laura Thalassa. And this book was recommended to us by our friends on Insta. Hello, everyone. Thank you for recommending books. If you guys want to recommend books, drop us a review and leave a book in there. And we'll be sure to keep it in mind. Yes. So I was excited. The cover is beautiful. You know I love like sort of dystopian fantasy shit. Yes. And... I'm so, 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 so intrigued about what you think. I feel the same way because I was like, so one, maybe this book should have made it to fantasy season instead of dark romance Mm. season, even though it was dark as shit. I think the thing about this book that we didn't have in the other dark romances is that there is a fantasy element. So it does allow you to Mm -hmm. suspend some of your disbelief. Whereas the other ones that mm-hmm. were more contemporary didn't allow you to do that, right? So, like, he's the... I know, and I'm wondering whether you're going to like that or not like that. You guys, let's get this shit popping because I got to know what Johnny thinks. I got to know. I know. I was, I'm trying not to say it till we get it popping. You know, let's get it popping. Tell the people. Tell them to get it popping. All right, y'all. We're about to get it popping. Popping. <laughs> <laughs> Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Okay, before we get too far into all of this, tell us a little bit about the audiobook. Okay, so the audiobook, I actually thought her name is Susanna Jones, and she did a really great job. I really loved her voice, and I noticed that she did a great job, so she did a great job. All right, well, there you go. Audiobook for this one is, uh, is a good I one. I recommend So it. this is, as we said, Pestilence, book number one of the Four Horsemen series by Laura Thalassa. It is billed as a dark romance. We are definitely going to bring this up numerous times, I'm sure, throughout today's <laughs> review. It is a dark romance, technically. Yes. It is also a fantasy slash fantasy romance and a dystopian romance, if dystopian romance exists as a genre. It also... I think, could fit into those genres. Yes, absolutely. So first off, let's talk about the cover art because I'm not going to lie. Obviously, this book was recommended to us, but the cover art I was on board for. It was giving me all of the Brad Pitt Troy vibes that I ever could want. I was like golden armor, like bronze skin. There's like the rippling abs, the penis pointers, the hair in front of his face i was like sign me the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) so yes i will co-sign that it was giving me brad pitt meets d'angelo you know like how does it Mm -hmm. feel d'angelo giving Mm -hmm. me that nice deep v Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh no just let the camera go a little bit lower you know a little bit lower i love the gold armor I loved yes. everything about like the aesthetic of the cover. You know me, I love gold. I love gold everything. <laughs> like God, the gaudiest gold you can ever like have. Brad Pitt, yes. Long hair. 
long blonde hair. It's blonde, and you know blondes are not necessarily my thing, but I was here for this Legends of the Fall. You do like long hair, Brad, though, on a man. I love long hair on a man, let me tell Which you Which right I now. enjoy in this photo. I don't enjoy in real life, necessarily, or I have not historically enjoyed it in real life, but aesthetically in this photo, I was like, Oof. yes, please. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, please. Where does one sign up for pestilence? in my bed. I also like his stance in this. I don't know. Yeah. He just seems very like lost in thought and kind of like a little bit vulnerable. He also, it feels a little vulnerable too, but he's pestilent. Uh So I don't know how they managed to get this really good juxtaposition from me here, but I am down for it. I stared at this cover while I listened to the, the book which means it's a... Oh, yeah. That's such a... You know, that's so funny because we learned all about that when we were talking to Sarah from Trashy Smart Podcast, Trashy Books. And you brought that up that you like stare at the cover. And that's so interesting because like I look at the cover at the beginning and then I never look at it again, basically. (laughs) Or I might catch like glimpses of it, especially on Kindle. I never look at it again. And then if I'm reading an actual physical book, I might glance at it every now, you know, I might see the cover on my nightstand or something. But for the most part, I'm not like looking at the cover all the time. And I think that's such an interesting thing that you literally like stare at this smoke show. So like a good cover can really mold a book. Oh, yeah. For you in a good way. And a bad cover can really take away. from. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even just like the way they presented him on the cover. I mean, it helped in the book for me, like to think of him like this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, so. I obviously, you guys read this on Kindle, on Kindle Unlimited. This is a Kindle Unlimited book. If you don't have Kindle Unlimited, if you go to our website, we'll have a link and you can uh, try it out for 30 days full free. And Shawnee, of course, listens on Audible. And you can also try it out for free and get two free eBooks. If you go to our website, we have a little offer on there. So check that out. And I do want to say that, so this book is in dark romance and obviously he's a four horseman of the apocalypse. So I thought this book was going to be real fucked up. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. I thought this book was going like I thought he was gonna like push her sexual boundaries I definitely thought there was gonna be a lot of non-consent especially at the beginning and he was like a sweet shy little virgin yeah <laughs> and he just wanted love yes. and he, he just wanted the most romantic sweet slow thrusting sex from her and that's nice and all like great you know obviously but did not spell dark romance for me the biggest note that i had in this was it's not really a dark romance uh, let me set this let me give it the synopsis yeah, synopsis the, the people bridge synopsis let me synopsis okay so the four ho- horsemen of the apocalypse come to earth and all of technology fails planes crash on the air sort of life as we know it is over and then they vanish as quickly as they wreak havoc five years later in a dystopian future pestilence is back spreading plague in his wake And Sarah draws the short stick to stay behind and try to kill him to save humanity. Only he doesn't stay dead after she shoots him and burns him alive. And he vows to make her suffer. Now Sarah may still be able to save the world, but by showing pestilence the good of humanity and some sweet, sweet love. Sweet, sweet loving. So I was like definitely intrigued by like, oh, they came. It's five years later. It's dystopian. Like... She's a firefighter. And I was like, ooh, a girl firefighter, badass. Like, I was like into that aspect of it. I was into the setup. Him coming down, her pulling the short stick to stay behind and shoot him. Her burning him alive and like throwing up and crying through it because she's a firefighter. But like willing to like basically sacrifice her soul to save humanity. So she thinks. And then he comes back from the dead. (laughs) And he's like, which I was like, that's dope as hell. Obviously, he's pestilence. Like, how could pestilence die? And he doesn't kill her right away. And he's just like, I'm going to make your life horrible. And then he ties her to his horse and makes her just run behind him until finally she like can run no more. And then he drags her and like all the skin comes off on her thing and whatever. And so I was like, okay, we're in the dark. Okay, okay, here we go. This dark. Okay, I was like, where are we going to go from here? But that was basically it. Like he tortures her at the beginning. He shoots her with an arrow. And then... (laughs) Shoots her with an arrow when she tries to run away. Like in that first week, though, that's all like right after one another. Yeah. Like all those events happen like in within the first like, couple days of the book. Yeah. And then after that, he quickly like stops making her run and lets her sit in the saddle. And he's like, oh, humans are so much frailer. So he keeps like he starts like bandaging her wounds and like yeah. finding food for her and stopping early so she's not cold. 
and he's like taking care of her even though he's like you're my prisoner and then he's like still killing people because he's past Jones and then he makes her like watch them die which is obviously a way to make her suffer which I was like oh that's dark yeah. okay so now he's like moved on from physical warfare to psychological warfare <laughs> I was like okay but then he never like it's not a romance though in the sense that it takes a really long time for him to like look at her as a woman yeah like it's like halfway through the book before she says like oh now he's looking at me like a man and not like with a dispassionate eye yeah because he sees her naked right away when he's like tending her and he just like doesn't give a fuck (laughs) and i'm like this is a romance though like he should be like immediately flaring with some desire even if he doesn't act on it i still want to know that like it's there and especially in a dark romance like i want the threat of the coitus to be there yeah as part of her suffering. Yeah. Like that to me would have been like hitting my id much harder that he's like, oh, you're going to suffer. And he's like taunting her with that as a possibility, even if he never touches her or acts yeah. on it. But it's like a very sweet romance. He like <laughs> falls in love with her. And he like takes care of her. And then when they finally have sex, it's like real loving and gentle. And I don't know. What did you think? Shana? Okay. This book to me was definitely more like just an interesting dystopian fantasy book versus a romance at all. I would definitely agree with that sentiment. Okay, it was a romance because, I mean, it does have a romance. It does have a happily ever after or whatever. But... Right, right. And, oh, I read this book before, but I had forgotten. Oh, funny. (laughs) You guys, this happens all the time. Shani's like, I don't think I've read that. Then she reads, like, a third of it. And she's like, oh, yeah, I have read this I looked at the cover when we were were talking about doing it. I remember looking at the cover and being like, mm, I feel like I might possibly because I like the cover so much. So I remembered it. But mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Once mm-hmm. I read a book and a week has gone by, I've forgotten like every bit of that book. So I think I read it like a, yeah, for a, sure. over a year, or maybe even two ago. So when the book starts, I was very intrigued. Right. I was like, oh, OK, where is this going? Because I didn't remember where it was going. And I think the premise is so good. Right. I feel like that's kind of the bummer for me in this book is that so many authors start a book without a great premise. Like she had a really amazing premise to start with. It could have been so dark and gritty. And then it just wasn't. It felt a little bit flat for me in the overall delivery of it. I am with you in the fact that I wanted Pestilence to be way more ruthless. Like he was like physically violent in terms of he shot her with an arrow when she tried to run away or whatever. But like, I don't know. I could have done so much more ruthlessness from him. And it would have been mm-hmm. justified because he's a horseman of the apocalypse. And she burned him alive. So it's fine. Yeah. Like, she deserves it, frankly. Also, there's, like, a huge, like, Karen moment in the book for me because she burns him alive. And he comes back and he's, like, going to punish her. And she's like, but what? Like, she starts playing, like, the victim. Yeah. And I'm like, you, yeah. dude, you just burned him. <laughs> He says that, though. He's like, you didn't. I begged you and I pleaded and you didn't care. And so now this is what you get. And I was like, that's That's, that's fair. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. (laughs) So the thing was, I felt like the author had all these really justified moments that she could have played with so much more and then didn't. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I didn't care for their sweet romance. I did love that he keeps killing people throughout the book. Like, even when he's starting to, like, fall in love with her or whatever, he's still like, no, this is my job. I have to do the pestilence. However, the one thing that didn't really make sense to me was that he was saying that he could stop doing the pestilence if people in humanity got their, basically got their shit together. Right. right? But it wasn't really defined what getting their shit together needed to be. I was going to say, there's, like, no real plot to this book. That was my big thing. So they had a really great setup. But then there was, he just said, like he said multiple times, I'm going to keep doing this until it's over. But there was, he never said when it would be over. And so there was no goal line for her to show him. Like, for instance, if he said, I'm killing people and the plague doesn't differentiate between good and bad people. Or if he said something where like, the plague is taking all of the bad people. Or if he said something like, my brothers are coming after me and my job is to weaken humanity or some nonsense, like whatever. There had to be something more concrete for me, though, because the book was just them going together through this journey. And And it was kind of of repetitive, too. Very repetitive. Them drawing closer to each other and also him still killing people, like you said, her still being disturbed by it and like caring for those people as they died. And then them just going to the next town. But there was no end in sight. It didn't feel like there was like a structure where it was like we reached a climax point at some point. Like, 
oh, we're heading towards like, even if it had been something like, oh, they've been in these small wilderness towns and they've been getting shot at whatever, but now they're going to be going. And it's been like 10 people dying or a hundred people dying. And now they go through a city for the first time. And like, she knows millions of people are going to die. And so she leaves him or so, I don't know, like nothing really happens. I mean, like a lot happens in the sense that people die. The first quarter of the book, a lot happened. And then after that, the middle half of the book, was like the same thing kind of like happening over and over with the exception of the old couple, Ruth and Bob, I think, who I loved. But also like they should have been early in the book. Okay, so let me tell the people a little bit about Ruth. So they are going into all these towns and they keep meeting with like bad people because it's the apocalypse. No one has enough food. They're scared of him because they know he's killing everyone. They don't want him in their houses. They don't want to take care of her because he's going to their whole family's going to die now, which is totally understandable, obviously. And so he's only seeing like the bad things. People are trying to like hurt him all the time. And then they go to this one house and it's this like 90 year old lady, I'm imagining, just like sitting on her front porch, just sipping some lemonade. And she's like, well, come on in, you guys. And she's like, honey, the the pestilence is here. (laughs) And he brought a friend and he like has never been treated with kindness or welcomed. And they're like, well, we're already old. So, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, at least we're together and we'll die together. And so they like, you know, make them food and give them shelter and conversation and sort of warmth. And that's the first time he's ever felt like the good of humanity aside from her. And I feel like had that happened, because it happened fairly late in the book, like yeah. halfway through at least, if not 60%. Yeah, was past that, yeah. And I feel like if that had happened at like 30%, then you have him questioning his mission mm-hmm. and him wondering if he's not doing the right thing. Because now he's starting to fall in love with her and sees her goodness and caring for these people that she doesn't know even though she knows they'll die. He's met this old couple who welcomed him into their house, who through their last moments held hands and died together and still loved each other. And now I feel like it would have been more interesting for him to be questioning, you know, like I've been sent on this task, but why? Yeah. And should I be doing this? And then her trying to convince him and also care for him, even though, you know, because like her sort of internal battle of like, falling in love with him and wanting to care for him and protect him, but also realizing he's killing people like that. I felt like made sense, but I don't know. (laughs) I just think this book squandered a little bit of a great premise. Absolutely squandered a great premise. I mean, I feel like the premise was so great that it like it didn't need that much. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. I wish the older couple had come sooner. After she burned him alive, I only really needed one more town to really go at him hard to feel the compassion that you get from the old people like being kind to him. Right. Because he's already been burned twice and shot at twice in the book. Right. And he says like he just all he needed to say, which he did say was like, you think you're the first I've already been. And he lists like 25 things. And you're like, oh, shit, he's had a terrible time on Earth. OK, uh, yeah. And now we <laughs> got it. I don't think I needed to go through it like with them that way. Mm-hmm. I like her with him, like offering him a chocolate or doing whatever. Yeah. I guess at the end of the book, I didn't really understand why he was giving it all up for her. Like what changed in the fact that like, I know that she wouldn't talk to him essentially and he had her locked in a room for a while. And then he was like, I give up. Like you can go, like I give up or whatever. I agree. I had to reread. I was like, did I miss something? But literally it's just that he's sad that she won't speak to him and he realizes he wants her more than he wants to like continue his mission. That's like it. Like there's nothing else. It's not like God shows him It's not like he finally figured out that God was saying not mercy just for her, but mercy for them all or whatever. I feel like I wanted God. Like in most stories, you don't want that God element where things just happen magically. But in this one, it actually made sense to have God actually come into the picture or even one of his brothers. I know his brother, one brother makes an appearance when she she gets almost murdered. But I guess I wanted him, especially in this book, she made a point of explaining that God was not who we think God is and also not a he. So I imagine in my mind, I'm just like, okay, an energy source. And I felt like pestilence could have been questioning along the way, like you were talking about, like, okay, wait, why Mm -hmm. am I doing this? Talking to God, 
looking at like the premise, what's the point of killing all these people? What will the world learn mm -hmm. from that? Like all that could have been discovered along the way. And I felt like Pestilence mm -hmm. could have been making his way to a big town, a big place like Los Angeles. So he's going through all these little towns. Right. Once he gets to that end goal of LA, you know, there's a million plus people living there. Right. So I felt like that could have been the driving thing where she's trying to stop him from getting to LA essentially and convince him before he gets there. And that's like what's pulling and whatever. But because there was no end goal, it was kind of like, well, at any point she could convince him. Or like at any point he could change his mind. Like all that he changed his mind for was that she was mad at him. Yeah. And wouldn't talk to him. Pretty much. Like that was it. Like she wouldn't talk to him. And so he was like, enough of the silent treatment. <laughs> I'll stop. Uh -huh. You can go now. <laughs> and it was definitely very anticlimactic. Very. And then he like reverses the disease in general, like across the world or across whatever, America, North America. Yeah. And which I was like, okay, cool, I guess. Well, and then you find out in the epilogue, it's like five years later and now his brother is coming and he's like, I can't stop my brothers, pray for the world. And I'm like, yeah, why can't you stop your brother? You better fly over where he <laughs> is and be like, yo, bro, look, I found out about humanity. I fell in love with a good woman and she saved me <laughs> from being just pestilence. <laughs> Ah. Why can't you just love a good woman? Let me introduce you to her friends and we can all be we happy. We can be happy. <laughs> so I think it was 10 years later that his brother's coming, which I was like, why a 10 year gap? I didn't quite understand the whole 10 year gap thing, but maybe I will if I read. Well, there's like a five year gap at the beginning. I mean, maybe to them because they're like asleep or they're like in some other realm. It's not time moves differently or something. One thing I did like about this book is the way she talked about religion yeah. and morality and God. And I thought she did a really good job of explaining like sort of the mysteries of religion yeah. without it being religious. Yeah. He was like, you think God is one thing? He says things like, why would I care about a book written by man? Like, I know God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that aspect. I thought that was a really well done and sort of like interesting way that he explained I feel like I feel like the way religion was approached in this book was really good because it actually it follows along kind of how I feel about spirituality in general, which mm -hmm. is like yeah. for me, I don't follow any specific religion. I grew up Christian, but I mm -hmm. but I've since let that go. And for me, mm -hmm. it's just more of an energy source and like the entire mm -hmm. universe being a, a giant mathematical algorithm <laughs> propelled by mm -hmm. en by energy. And I like, I mean, I liked how they described it because everything was like, oh no, man put that on. Why you keep saying he? Mm -hmm. Well, you you call him he, so I say he because that it sounds good for you. Because your pet, your small minds can't yeah, comprehend. Yeah, he's like, you guys have to he's label like, That's everything. Why I'm in this form because if I wasn't in this form, you wouldn't understand yeah. or whatever. Which I also thought was interesting. I love how his armor always goes back, and like even when they're about yeah. about to fuck, he's got his crown on. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, let me just yeah. take this off. <laughs> yeah, I would have left it on first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Bridget. I was like, why do you take that off? Like, I would have left it on. I probably would have put it on. Yeah. I would have been like, hold on, let me get your crown for a minute. Oh, your crown's slipping. Let me hold up. Let me you know what? <laughs> let me just put it on myself. Let me just ride you in your crown. Yep. And then you will see stars and it will be that, beautiful for us. That all. was one of my, my quotes for the book, right? So we talk about why he gave up everything at the end. And one right. of the quotes I put was when they first had sex, he says, I cannot unknow this sensation. Surely it will haunt me for all of my days. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I was like, I know, dude. I, I, Pestilence no, was okay, taken so down I, by Booty Call. <laughs> yes, he was. He was taken down by the Pusay. The Pusay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought it was funny that I forget exactly what she said, but something like, oh, he's going to have zero chill about this, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. He was like, let's get married. Have <laughs> legit zero chill. He's like, I've been inside of you. And then he like slut shames her for having sex before. And she's like, whoa, bro. <laughs> But he's like, I've been inside of you and I've known this joy. She's just like, you need to calm the fuck down, okay? That is too much. Oh. You are too much right now. It's too much. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, okay, so I don't know. I just felt like this book was like, he had some endearing moments where he's like learning. He's almost like a feral child who grows up in the woods and doesn't has never known love, you know? Yeah. 
And she's like coaxing him into sort of what we would consider like a normal sort of emotional response. And I liked, you know, some of her sort of like more like ball busty moments where she was refused to break and refused to cry in front of him and refused to like beg and blah, blah, blah at the beginning. But overall, like the story was just super flat for me. Yeah, I agree. Like the same sort of scenario of them like going into a house at night everyone dying, her taking care of everyone, her being mad at him, him not understanding while she's being mad, them doing a tentative truce in the morning, her offering him some food or alcohol, him like saying he didn't like it, but then secretly trying it. And then them doing like the same thing. Oh, oh, and then they're being attacked Mm -hmm. again. But there's like nothing happening. And you're like, what's the point of it all? And I never felt like at the end of the book, I knew what the point was. Like, why did he get sent? Yeah. Like, what did the plague do? Was it to kill every single person or was it to only kill a certain percentage of people? Because he mentioned at one point that you all were killing the earth. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm just like making this up. I was like, oh, maybe we'll find out that like part of his thing is like he's supposed to kill off like half of humanity so that the earth there's less people. Yeah. Or are you supposed to kill off 75% like of humanity? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, let me snap my fingers and disappear half the universe. But nothing ever sort of got, ex- there didn't feel like there were any stakes because the stakes were so high and there was no way out of them. Yeah. So it almost felt like there were no stakes. Yeah. Because it was like, well, this kind of just what is. So you're like, okay. Yeah. I agree. Because like, if it were that pestilence came through first, killed anybody who was Mm -hmm. sick or weak, like COVID, like, honestly, I was reading reading this and thinking of COVID. I know they said something about a pandemic. And I was like, oh, I think that was my quote. Hold on, let me find it. I was like, oh, she's writing about now. (laughs) And I was like, wait, is war coming next? Because (laughs) war is coming next. Okay, I didn't write down the quote. But she said something like, you would think that with all of our modern medicine, we'd be ready for a pandemic, but we were not. And I was like, oh, that hits hard. <laughs> that hits hard. <laughs> that hits so hard. <laughs> so I thought that like, okay, pestilence, it would make sense. Like pestilence comes, he kills like the old and the too young to handle right. the disease, right? And then war comes and it triggers all the people who are have aggression and whatever to mm-hmm. basically kill themselves, like fighting right. fighting each other. And right. I feel like each horseman comes and brings out the worst in the people that already present that worst thing. And then what's left over makes sense to be like, oh, now you guys repopulate the, the planet, good, planet in a good, good way. Sure. <laughs> you know? Sure. That's kind of like, for me, like the stakes that would have made sense. But like, for me, pestilence yeah. was just killing everybody he came into contact with unless they fled. And right. then at the end of the book, he starts spreading pestilence far, far away from where they are. She thought he could only spread it yeah. where he was physically, but he was spreading it really right. far. He's like, oh, I always had the ability to do this. I just didn't. Yeah. And I'm like, why didn't and you? I'm like, the, the, what the fuck? Why are you getting shot up all the time when you could just flex yes. and get the whole world? I was like, it make any sense to me. No sense at all. I didn't like that was a, I didn't either. a thing. I liked it when she thought he was riding ahead to like to yes. deal with the death before yes. she got there. That was like a sweet moment. But the fact that he could just flex and do that, I was like, ah, oh, hell no. Yeah. That's, yeah. I didn't like I that. I didn't like that at all. It didn't make sense for the rest of the book. It didn't make sense why he was journeying around. Yeah. That made no sense. Also, like, I feel like this book might have made more sense if all the horsemen were in the world at the same time. Yeah. So if they were all like in separate parts of the world. So pestilence is ravaging North America at the same time that war is ravaging Europe at the same time that famine is going through Asia at the same time that, you know, like they're all there doing their thing. I can't remember the fourth horseman. That's why I stopped. (laughs) (laughs) But they're all doing their same thing at the same time just in different parts of the world and to your point they're all sort of death oh death is the fourth and maybe they like are going from place to place so like war is in one place and then he moves to a new continent and they're all kind of just like no one knows what's gonna strike next Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. i think that will maybe would have made it the stakes feel higher so like even if pestilence stops it's like but war hasn't stopped or death hasn't stopped or whatever i agree I needed more to be going on. Otherwise, this is just like a prequel type of thing or like a novella at the beginning of a series. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because she didn't actually save anyone because war and famine and death are on the way. So they could both easily. Well, maybe not him because he's immortal, but she could easily die. And presumably, did they have a kid at the end? I forget. I didn't read a kid. I don't remember there being a kid. I don't remember a kid, but presumably they'll have a kid at some point And it's like little half immortal 
pestilent baby will be spreading disease in his crib. No, like, he's going to be that kid like? at daycare who always has the runny nose. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So here's the, also the thing that I just think is very interesting in this love story. It didn't quite make sense for me that she goes back to like find her family and the people. Now, it makes sense and it doesn't. And here's why. So she's on this journey with pestilence. He's killing all these people. She knows that his illness was going to kill her family and everybody she left behind as well, possibly if they didn't flee or get far enough away, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. When she goes back after she's in love with pestilence and they whatever, they're good. She goes back and finds out that most everybody made it out alive, but a few of her friends died of the plague and whatever. So literally her lover is responsible for the death of her loved ones. I mean, when you're fucking them at night, is this a kink? I just want to know. Is it, a, is it a kink where you're riding and you're like, yes, you killed my loved ones. <laughs> you mean when he comes back to her and says, like, I won't do this anymore? Yeah. Like, I'm just saying, like, no matter what, when he comes back, it's mm-hmm. always present that her lover is responsible for the death of her loved ones. Well, I don't know how her, like, family could ever forgive that. I mean, I could see where she could, because clearly she loved him even when he was actively killing people as they were together. But I don't know that the townspeople (laughs) of her town would be able to be friends with him. But then again, she did say that he no longer was like wearing his armor. Well, nobody recognized him. And that he looked more human. And they wouldn't expect him to be like in their small Canadian town. I mean, what you're saying is true. However, she's got to be slightly a bit of a sociopath to be sitting at the Thanksgiving dinner table with mama, gamma, pestilence, and the rest of the family who's lost loved ones due to this plague. They're all sitting there breaking bread. I just think it's funny. You're not wrong. However, (laughs) if I was her in my mind, I'd be like, y'all could all be dead. But I saved saved you you. with my pussy. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) My vagina is magic. I can suck the dick so deep that he will stop killing people. (laughs) Stop stop the apocalypse with the pussy. <laughs> I can't uh, I'm laughing. Uh, I mean, oh gosh. I think that should be the new tagline for this book. Can she stop the pestilence with Pussy? <laughs> yes, she can. Yes, she can. Spiller <laughs> Clearly we can all we can we all have this power. <laughs> all right, well let's take on that note, let's take a quick break and let's come back with some ratings. Yes. Hello, best friends. Thank you for being loyal listeners of Romance at a Glance. We're so happy to have you. If you'd like to support us further, head over to Patreon, where you can become one of our patrons. We've got a lot of great perks, such as merch and a super secret discussion group where Bridget and I talk to you directly about all things romance and all things nasty. So come on over. And now, back to our show. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about our fair firefighter, Sarah. What? Did you think of Sarah? So Sarah, I gave three a peach a booties, right? Because me too. Did you? <laughs> okay, so I did. I feel like we're in sync in this book. Yes, I do too. She, I thought she was a badass for lighting him on fire. <laughs> she got a lot of points for lighting him on fire and really committing to the to the viciousness of what that took. Saving, trying to save her family, trying to fight him, get away, that sort of thing mm-hmm. along the journey. I felt like there were some moments where I was like. Bitch, what is you doing <laughs> during <laughs> during her her uh, escapades with him? I like him despite the fact that he's bringing about the end of the world, and that is immensely troubling. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, she definitely said that to herself. Stop looking at the horsemen of the apocalypse with lust. <laughs> so, I mean, there was moments where I was like, I was like. Come on, girl. And then moments where I'm like, yeah. So I I figured she was right right down the middle for me. Yeah, I agree. I think she did not have any moments where I was like, I hate you. And I think you're super whiny and annoying. I like that she never ran and like, or she did run. I mean, not that she never ran, but that she like actually killed him. And I mean, it's not her fault. He's immortal. She didn't know that. (laughs) I do think that the uh, one thing that would not give me lead me to give her four or five stars would be or a couple things. One was that she was clearly in love with him. And he's like, I love you. And she was like, it's not that big a deal. We didn't make love. And I was like, you know what? Dick move. You're dumb. <laughs> That's a dick move. You just shattered this poor virgin's heart. How dare you? How dare you? And then the other one was just that 
I just like didn't feel super attached to her, so that's why I didn't give her a four or five either. One thing I did like about her though was that when she found the pie, right? In the Yeah. <laughs> in uh-huh. someone's house. She found some really old pie, but she didn't care. She was like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna eat this pie. And then Pastor Lynch is like, I'm mm-hmm. gonna share it with you. And her inner monologue of him taking his big ass bites yeah. of her pie. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'd be thinking too. I would have been yeah, like, that's, first of all, I would not have let him, I would have let him have one, one bite. bite and then I would have yeah. been like, get the fuck away from yeah. my pie. You over my cold <laughs> dead body. Will you eat this pie in an apocalypse that I just. That's bought. what I was thinking too. When he's like, she's like watching him take bite two. I'm like, girl, slide that pie back over to you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Dude, if my husband even takes a sip of a Coca-Cola I'm drinking <laughs> that I don't want to share, I'm like, that was a big ass sip, husband. And we could go to a store and buy more. If it was the last Coke in the history of mankind, I'd be like, you better spit it into my mouth <laughs> like a mama bird right fucking mama bird. and get, a- get away from my stuff. Oh, oh, my God. oh gosh. Also, my three-year-old told me she was going to mama bird me some food. She was like, I was like, what are you going to mama? Because she's like, I'll spit it in your mouth. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want you to mama bird me whatever you're eating. No, thank you. I'm okay. <laughs> Jesus. All right. What do you think of pestilence? I gave pestilence the same. I gave him a three. Me too. And it's probably for the opposite. I wanted pestilence to be more ruthless. Like, I just thought there was some so many moments that they could have had tension in there, like way more tension in their yes, sexual. Yes, there was no tension. No, it was not at all. And No tension. And it's right for tension right now because he's fighting his feelings. He doesn't know what he's feeling. He's like, is this love? Mm-hmm. Is this lust? Is this what, like mm-hmm. what's happening to me right now? I felt like there could have been mm-hmm. so much more like conolingus esque type, yeah. type shit here where he's just figuring shit out. Like, oh man. Some licking, some touching. He doesn't even know how to masturbate, I'm assuming, right? So she could... He didn't know how to kiss. Exactly. I'm like, he could touch her nipple and see it harden and that we could have spent some pages spent on pages. that. Like, he's behind her. He could have been fingering her on that horse. She could have Johnny. masturbated he him on the horse. on that horse. Bridget. Yes. Why did they not fuck Why on that did- horse? He's so strong and shit. Ah, I was just like, I know. why? He could have like leaned her forward and just the rhythm of the horse That's what I'm moving. saying. Giddy up, giddy oh, up. <laughs> missed opportunity. So many missed opportunities for so foreplay. I was so mad about that. Yeah. They just, and they had like the most vanilla loving sex. Again, I'm not opposed to that. I think it's great. However, it was in a boring. dark romance, I think it was certainly not what I expected. I thought the sex was I think it was boring because I wasn't attached to the tension. I wasn't breathlessly waiting for them to finally like consummate. Yeah. So I didn't really care. But also in general, I think vanilla sex is wonderful. If it's like vanilla sex, you know, with Tessa Bailey, yeah. dirty talking tension all up in the front of That's it. And I'm, I'm like about. ready by the time we get there. That's what I needed. And I felt like pestilence could have delivered some good dirty talk that was real stagnant, right? Like, just like, I want to lick your nipples. Just boom. Like, yes. I feel like he's super direct. So he could have just said some yes. shit that was just nasty yeah. without even meaning to be nasty, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Like, I want to taste you. Yeah. Like, duh, that's easy. Like, 101. What is, what is this feeling? Yeah. <laughs> I want to feel your hands on my, my cock. Fing- like, I want to... Yeah, I want to stick my fingers inside of you. Yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. Think of- I want to put my penis in your butt. Is that weird? <laughs> no, it's not. Let's try it. <laughs> I'm thinking about all the things I thought about before I was ever having sex. And like, mm-hmm. my mind was going super crazy. Like, can we do this? Can we do that? Yeah. Can we put this can in I there? Can I lick you? Can I touch you? Yeah. Can I? Yeah, absolutely. I would have loved to have seen Is that him. too hard? Is that too soft? Is that too... Yeah, he should be super curious too, because he doesn't know a whole lot about yes. humanity and about yeah. lovemaking and that sort yeah. of thing. And I was just like, there's so many more questions. Well, he, didn't have a, he says at some point in the book that he, this is like the bot, this is the first time he's had a body. Yeah. So he should definitely be really like, ooh, my dick got hard. Like, what's that about? Let's, <laughs> t- let's see what's happening here. Okay. Morning wood, like explaining to yes. him what morning wood yes. is. You know, like I just felt like there was a lot of missed opportunity. Romance 101. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I gave him three stars, but as a dark romance hero, I'd say one star because he's not dark. But I think in general, he was three stars. But if I was solely grading on the fact that I was told he would be a dark romance, I would have given him one star. Because he's dark as a character in the sense that he kills people and he shoots her with arrows and he drags her behind his horse without remorse. But he's not a human. So it's like, well, that's fine. He's literally the embodiment of a portion of death. But like, that's it. There's no darkness in the romance itself. It's kind of the equivalent to me of if he were not a human, if he were a wolf, right? And he was going around doing wolf things. 
And we right. wouldn't be like, oh man, this wolf is so dark. He's biting people. No. It's, to no. me, that's what pestilence is. Wolf. Like, that's his job. His name's yeah. Pestilence. They call him Pestilence. Yeah. But like, at least a wolf, when he's fucking her, would bite her neck and take her from behind <laughs> in the woods and make her come all over and scream into the night. You know what I'm saying? Bridget, I mean, how amazing would it be? <laughs> he would hold the bitch down, Sean. That's what I'm... He's a wolf. Yes. But Bridget, like, what a missed opportunity, right? Like, for Guys, him to watch, for, for Pestilence to watch her excited. come... And be like, "Woo, oh. what is that? And have her explain yeah. that to him and him be like, well, yeah. we're going to do that again. Let's do that Let's again. Let's go. Yes. You know? Ooh, let yes. me lick that up. Yes. Delicious? Mm. Yes. I thought he was a McDreamy for Horseman, which I didn't want him to be McDreamy. I wanted him to be McSteamy. I wanted him to be yeah. Mc... Make you pray. Uh, inhuman. <laughs> Mick inhuman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I wanted him to be Mick. I do what I want, when I want, how I want. Yep. You do what I want. Yeah. And he was McDreamy. Yeah. I said he was a Mick. Where are the other three horsemen to menage me? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, so good. Uh, oh my god. I just kind of feel like war would really give it to me. I'm just gonna put <laughs> just gonna put that out. There. So I looked at the blurb because I was curious. War is next. And apparently he just like sees this woman on the battlefield or whatever in town and is like, You're my wife now. And she's like, say what now? And he like is trying to like put a baby in her and you know. <laughs> but I don't know if there's non-consent because I didn't read through all of the like million reviews, but it did seem a little bit darker than this. Well, I think one. I'm gonna read War because I feel like, yeah, I feel like if I mean the covers of all, well, was War's a, covers not listen, great. If but. Pestilence was a Harry Potter house, it would be Hufflepuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> he was awful. He was a Hufflepuff. He was a Hufflepuff because he like felt bad about killing the whole time, and he was a little shy virgin who like immediately got a taste and then was like, "Marry me." <laughs> That's a very Hufflepuff thing to do. <laughs> Anyways, obviously the classy to nasty. This book was very, 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 very classy. Very classy. Lady in the street. So I had two favorite ones, one of which was related to his zero chill, which is after they have sex and he tells her that they should get married. And she's like, yo, we're not getting married. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> and he's like, is nothing sacred? He bellows. I was inside you, inside you. I felt you move around me. I gave you my essence and you're treating it. All of it as though we're merely dance together. <laughs> I was like, you do a zero chill uh, so good i mean also like i could see where he's coming from because like having sex with someone is a big deal yeah. and can be a big deal and also like he has zero 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 chill <laughs> so like i still remember very vividly the first person who ever gave me an orgasm that wasn't me yeah you know what i mean like yeah. and that wasn't my first boyfriend the person who gives you your first O, you never forget. You just not gonna forget. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. I think in general, your first sexual partner, your first orgasm, your first time doing any other type of like doggy style yeah. or like, let's say you're dating someone for a long time, you might do a lot of firsts with that person. But the first time you do any sort of new experience, you're like, it's like seared into your memory. I 100% agree. I mean, I distinctly remember the first person, whoever who got me off, and it was all hands. Like, mm -hmm. it was the best. I'll never forget it. He put me up a, up on mm -hmm. a door. My feet weren't even touching the ground. He was a big-ass mm -hmm. dude. And hopefully he never hears mm -hmm. this podcast. <laughs> he was a big-ass dude because he knows exactly who He'll he is. He'll probably feel very proud of himself that he gave you an orgasm. Good for him. This was a big dude. He was like six foot four, six foot five. And he just held me up on the door and like his face right next to my face and just fingered the shit at me and talked so dirty Bridget, while he did it that I Cat literally, it. it was like a, Cat it was it. almost like a forced orgasm. My body just was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your brain was just like, I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> Shawnee, I'm with you. I've had, you know, we've talked about the Belgium. My Belgium. Oh, you're Belgian. Oh, he's, yeah. Mm -hmm. was <laughs> Turdy talked me right over the edge and I was like, who am I? What's happening? <laughs> dirty talking, I think is wonderful. Absolutely. As you know, as all of you know, dear listeners, you know this, you know, we love dirty talk. Mm -hmm. It's just magical. This book could have done with more yes. and better dirty talk. Yes. I think it could have solved some of the other issues. It's true, because if there's some good sex in a book, I'd be like, if the book was like, I, I, I'd be like, mm, this is a good book. Yep. Yeah, this is a good book. <laughs> well, I think had the relationship 
caught my attention in the way that the world caught my attention, I think paired together, this book would have been much more enjoyable. Yeah. But I was like interested in like what was going to happen with like the whole religious aspect and like he had the tattoos and like mercy shined on her, which like God shined on her. And I was like, that's interesting. Like, where's that going to go? It didn't go anywhere, which I didn't know at the beginning. But like if that had been coupled with a much more riveting, enthralling like relationship between the two of them. I think that would have been more interesting or like just like the book would have been. Also, I also wish that her name had been Mercy. Like that her name had been Mercy. Yeah, I kind of wish her name had been Mercy because he was he was talking about how like he saw the symbol and so he gave mercy on her Mm -hmm. or whatever. And he kept it. And Mm -hmm. she was like, well, what if that meant mercy on the whole world or whatever? And I kind of wish her name had been Mercy. So it would have appeared to be much more targeted to her so that. When she has that conversation, like, what if that meant the whole world? Or what if I am here to tell you to have mercy on all these people? Like, I'm your sign, Mm -hmm. essentially. And I felt like that would have been a slightly more interesting of a way to play off that mercy thing. Other than like, oh, I saw a shadow of mercy. And then I was like, I want to have mercy on you. And I was like, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I just wish it had had that. Like, I think the word mercy is so powerful of a word. That I just wish that mm-hmm. it had had much more oomph behind it in the story yeah. somehow or some way. But anyway, it was what it was. The book was, I mean, to me, the book was like a three. Like it's, I'm between a two and a three, honestly, in terms of like my rating for it. But mm-hmm. I'll round it up to a three because I really did think it had a great premise and stuff. I just felt like it fell flat. I gave it, and this might be the first book I ever gave worse rating than you, Shawnee. I gave it two stars as a dark romance. Yeah. I would say if it was billed to me as like a fantasy or dystopian, I possibly would give it three, but I just was not connected. Yeah. Like I read it all in one sitting, but only because we had to read this for the podcast. And I don't feel like I'm not even sure I would have finished it because until I met Ruth and Bob, that like hour of reading prior to that, I was like, well, nothing is happening. What's nothing is going (laughs) on? Jesus Christ. (laughs) What's happening? And I met Ruth and Bob and I was like, Ruth and Bob are so sweet. I love them. I love old people who love each other. So wonderful, especially when it's written. And I was like, oh, that's a nice scene. It's a nice moment for him to like realize that not all people are bad. And then we had another like hour of reading or 45 minutes of reading where I was like, well, now we're just repeating the like previous hour. Yeah. Also, you know what really nails, like really sums up the book? Like out of all the things in the book at the very end when she says to him, you need a name. Like, yeah, pick a name. And he's like, Victor. And she was like, well, all right. Like, that's literally her. her yeah. Friend. And I was like, yeah, I know. That sums up the whole book for me right there. It was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was he's like, he's like, well, doesn't it mean conqueror? And I was like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> I don't like no, that. I don't think I wish he didn't have a name. Or I wish she just made up like she was like, oh, your name is Pestilence. So we're going to call you Peter. Yeah. Or we're going to call you Lance or something. I thought like, she should have named him, too. I, mean, I agree with that. Yeah. Like, she should have given him yeah. a name. Him picking the name almost made it, it feel a yeah. little douchey. Like, a weird, like... Which was... It was felt super... Du- it just felt super awkward. Yeah. It was so... Uh, I've been thinking about it, and I picked Victor. And you're like, why Victor? Victor? Come on. <laughs> it's not even a hot name. No, it's not like you're Xavier. Not Victor in the night. Yeah. 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 Come on. Jeez, Louise. I actually thought I he will said say Vic- Vicar. That, that's the opposite of what we thought when Torment named Autumn, when she <laughs> when Torment named no one in the Black Tiger Brotherhood. And he's like, I think your name's going to be Autumn because it's my favorite season. And I was like, go fuck, fuck yourself. yourself Torment. <laughs> it's a terrible name. It doesn't match any of the cool names everyone else nope. has. You're an asshole. <laughs> also, if you guys missed our Black Dagger Brotherhood coverage in season two, we read books one through 11. It was super fun. Super fun. <laughs> it was a lot, though. Oof, that season was a was marathon. A <laughs> Dude, those books are long as fuck. Hell. <laughs> to all of you who are asking if we're going to read the rest of the books in the Black Dagger Brotherhood series, I don't know. I honestly don't know because they're really, really long. Yeah. Like they're like 500 plus pages and so much happens in each book that our episodes were like 90 minutes to two hours, which was wonderful. It's so fun to talk through and like relive. But it was really hard for us to read. I was burnt out. Every week. When we finished that season, I was burnt out. I was like, I don't want to read a book for like... (laughs) 
<laughs> month. Yeah. Yeah, especially for Shawnee, because it was like each one's like 24 hours of audio. So it's like I could read the book and like, I don't know, let's say six to eight hours or whatever. But Shawnee's like 24 hours of audio a week <laughs> that she was trying to do while editing the podcast, doing all this other stuff. So it was a uh, lot. That series. <laughs> That series was a lot. It was tough. It was tough to get through. But it was fun to revisit all of our fair Black Dagger Brotherhood. I was times. thinking of maybe like just doing like one offs until we get through the rest like over time versus like, like special episodes. Yeah. Versus like trying to do it any sort of like three at a time or four at a time or any sort of series run. Yeah. We could do some special ups. Yeah. Special I'm ups. down for that. Because well, I, I there's a, actually I haven't read the last books in the series after The Chosen. I haven't. Either. I haven't read any more. I think it was because I was so upset by The Chosen. Yeah, Layla and Scores book. Yeah, I was so angry by like after she has the baby with Quinn or whatever, and just like mm-hmm. the way she was treated in the books. Like I just couldn't. Well, Quinn, Quinn forgets all the lessons that he learned and turns <laughs> back into a pussy ass bitch. That's what happened. That's why he got mad. Because he, like, gets all douchebaggy towards Super her, even though he's been so wonderful towards her. That's why she chose him to have the baby. Yeah. And it's weird Makes because it almost feels like they just used her as a surrogate for, like, their, for Blay and Quinn to really have a baby. Yeah, but don't you remember in that book, too, Blay's an asshole towards, or Quinn's an asshole towards Blay, and it's like, well, you're not really the dad. Yeah. Do you remember that whole storyline, too? I do. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Quinn, come on. He spent 11 books growing, and then he just, like, dumpster fired all of his growth. In, in one, one book. book, yeah. But that book, I didn't finish The Chosen. But you know why? I was so upset. Because we know that J.R. Ward doesn't keep a timeline. That's why she doesn't <laughs> remember when this shit's supposed to happen. We thought she was a badass for not keeping a timeline. Then we read the books in order and realized, no, keep a timeline. This is, None of this shit makes sense. <laughs> none of this shit makes sense. But also, we'll probably still read some on the podcast at some point. So if you guys really want that, let us know. Maybe we'll do special apps or we'll do it on Patreon or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I like that. Speaking of Patreon, Johnny, I did just read Lord of London Town by Tilly Cole. Remember, that's the one I originally wanted to do about the London gangsters, yeah. but they didn't have the audiobook. And it was awesome. I think you really would have liked it. Oh, okay. They might have it on audio soon. I don't know. I, I was looking. I didn't. They don't have it on audio yet. Aww. She said the second book of the series is going to come out at some point in 2021, though. So I, I'm like wondering if audio is just like going to come at some point. Yeah. I don't know. But it is on Kindle Unlimited for those of you who are thinking about reading it. And I will do a full Patreon recap of it because I really, really liked it. And I'm super excited that there's going to be another one. I want to read some more historicals. Let's do more historicals. I thought we we're going to do some in the fall. OK, yeah, let's do it in the fall. That sounds good. I like that. Around my birthday, you know, around the August time. Yeah. When I'm fairly feeling that pomp and circumstance. Yeah, I think that's totally reasonable. I thought we were going to do a bunch, but we can mix them up whenever. It's our podcast, Johnny. We can do whatever we want. Do whatever the fuck we want. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Hilarious. You guys, on that note, (laughs) that's all we have for you today. That's all we got. All right. May your books be your lover. And your hand your best friend. (laughs) Kiki Kauza's friend. See you later. See you later. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.